Welcome to BS Alert, our podcast. This is our fourth one, I think, if I can count. And um, this is an interesting little special. This is a, this is a show that's kind of just happened because we've got a bunch of material that we think is we, we can do something with. So that's what we're going to do. And it's a basically it's a libertarian free for all. There's a lot of talk about. Um, the Libertarian Party and how they're they're the greatest thing in the world since the creation of uh, white bread and and the verb greatest greatest uh, adjective greatest adverb what is that anybody adjective I believe okay all right anyway uh, with me as always is Wise Girl hi and Uber Bill why hello and uh, we are on the web at bsalert.com. And the podcast, podcast.bsalert.com. And we're on iTunes, so be sure to search for BS Alert or go to our website, and there's a link where it'll fire up iTunes and allow you to subscribe. And we certainly would appreciate it because it helps raise the popularity of this thing. And maybe one day we'll actually uh, make like a buck fifty or something. It'd be kind of cool. We promise no price drops. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's get right into it. Basically, uh, this, uh, what happened is, uh, a few shows back, we, we were doing something on the Iraq vets against the war <clears throat> and I wanted to get, um, some, I wanted to get some opinions from some people and we got this new piece of equipment to allow people to call in and we're still getting everything set up, but I made an arrangement, um, to interview a gentleman from antiwar.com, <clears throat> guy by the name of Scott Horton, who's a really good speaker and is very opinionated. And I'd heard him before, and I really liked what he had to say um, about uh, the dynamics involved in um, the war machine and, uh, and the government and all that. And we did a little interview with him, and, and um, throughout the interview, I sensed that uh, he had another agenda that he was more passionate about that, had, that was aside from the uh, anti-war thing. And we did the interview, and it was okay, but uh, we ended up not using it in that show. But what's interesting is when I talked with him on the phone, after he finished the interview, we were just kind of ra- rapping about this or that, and he went into this Ron Paul love fest <laughs> about him being the greatest candidate for president. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i very skeptical of this libertarian thing that you hear a lot about. And he was he is totally, he wasn't just drinking the Kool-Aid, he was making it, he was rolling around it. Celebrating the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <clears throat> so we started talking about uh, libertarianism and all of this kind of stuff 
and uh, I just let the tape roll. And we ended up having <sighs> about a five-hour conversation, which I would never subject anybody to. But about, Thank you. Yeah. I've never talked five hours on the phone with anyone. I don't know what happened. I give the guy props for willing to talk as long as uh, I was willing to talk back to him. And <laughs> Endurance, really. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's really opinionated, and he's very knowledgeable on certain subjects, but I also think that he's a classic example of, of a libertarian and what's wrong with libertarians, libertarian ideals, and everything. And uh, I thought it would be important to run this the first, roughly the first 40, 50 minutes of our discussion, which basically uh, we just started talking about stuff and it ended up being like a regular interview, except that I didn't plan to get into a big debate over the value of libertarian ideals. So I really wasn't well informed and I took a kind of really docile approach and I just let him talk. And of course, I couldn't get I didn't get a chance to talk a whole lot, but. Um, we went around and around, and we addressed a bunch of interesting issues, and I think we're going to roll it, and Uber Bill and Wise Girl and I, were, for the most part, we're just going to let the, inter- the interview roll, except that we're, we, we may stop and, and comment a little bit here and there, just because you'll see in the interview, it's so one-sided, uh, Scott's pretty much uh, just goes off, and, and, and it's great, because he's got plenty to say, but I, I hadn't done a whole lot of research, and... Um, well, you'll see. You'll see what I'm, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but let's let's start off with a little taste of the libertarian propaganda, and uh, we we heard a little bit of it during the opening. Hi, I'm David Ruprecht, host of Supermarket Sweep and a member of the Libertarian Party. You ever wonder why Republicans increase big government and Democrats waver on social issues? Well, maybe it's time you shop around for a new party. Libertarians work toward smaller government and lower taxes. Libertarians also take a principled stand on social issues, believing that you best know how to run your life. Check out the Libertarian Party. Socially tolerant, fiscally responsible. Yeah. That's the best uh, celebrity they could get to to shill for their party <clears throat> is right. the host of Celebrity Sweep. I don't even know what that is, but he's standing in a supermarket. It's a game show. You know, This is a good example of the pitch, and it sounds great. I mean, who's, who isn't for less government and all of that? I mean, it just sounds great. It's really a neat idea, but it's a lot. It's just a, it's a dream. It's a fantasy world. Actually, Supermarket Sweep is uh, really a lot of what I picture what would happen if we turned into a libertarian country overnight. A bunch of people running through a supermarket grabbing stuff as fast as they could. Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> oh, well, then, boy, that certainly explains some things, doesn't it? It's like free-for-all. No regulation. Do whatever the hell you can get away with. <laughs> And and that is, uh, you know, for years. And whenever somebody starts t- saying they're a libertarian, I just want to, I just want to slap them. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, shut the fuck up. All right, you don't even know. You know, you don't realize, uh, a that you're either a pawn by corporate interests that are just using the dreams that every American has of not paying any taxes right. and not having anybody tell them what to do. So that they can get, you know, certain regulatory agencies off their back so they can do whatever the hell they want. Or you're just high. Let's face it. It's one of those two. You're, you're high or you're a pawn and you're stupid. I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let, this is what libertarian is. It's an idea. It's a great idea. It's like... It's like um, Tell us how you really feel, yeah. Paul. Wouldn't it be great if I, just, if I had a, a box in my apartment that I, every time I opened it, diamonds came out? <laughs> You know, 
and you, and then you go around and you tell everybody, hey, wouldn't it be great if you too had a box that every time you opened it, just diamonds came out, man? <laughs> what do you mean it's not possible? You know what? Wait until you get that box. You'll see. 150 years ago, everybody had boxes that that's diamonds right. came out of. Yeah, you know, we forget. That's that's where our, the wealth originally came from. That and trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell you, when I get one of those boxes, I'm switching to libertarianism. Oh, totally. And, uh, I don't other, want anybody regulating my you know, diamonds. And there's a there's that organization, the Cato Institute, which kind of gets my goat. This is a this is a foundation of supposedly you know scientific people, right. who, who um, the institute is heavily funded by a bunch of very large corporations that would love nothing better than to get the government off their back, telling them they can't dump pollution here, they can't do this or do that, and so they're very much in favor. And if and if you ask me, if you look behind any well-organized, well-funded libertarian effort, you're going to find a bunch of corporations that are using people's fantasy utopian dreams of a world where they get all of the services that they want, but they don't have to pay for them. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's, an, it's, it's, it's the ultimate extension of uh, selfishness of modern society, in my opinion. Now, you guys, what do you guys think? You know, I haven't been chiming in much because I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. I think it's uh, it is an invitation to total anarchy where the corporations would have complete control it, on a scale the likes of which you're looking at for a country the size of America, really a country of any uh, significant size. It, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work That's at all. My, that is my big thing. But there's still people that are so fixated on what's wrong with the government that – Oh, and blo- we're certainly we yeah. we here at BS Alert. Let's be clear, BS Alert is not saying that the government is great and that they're oh, no, doing we're, a good job. I mean, we, <laughs> one of the things that we're we're constantly vigilant about is is calling attention to to Bullshit how messed and, messed yeah. up it is. But unlike the libertarians, we are not we are not high enough to <laughs> to uh, to think Alas. that the solution <laughs> to the think that the solution is to get rid of the government, you right. know, or this. This notion of uh, every, personal property rights are going to trump everything, and that's going to make it all better. You know, I mean, people don't realize that um, the libertarian ideal is a fantasy. It is a dream. It's not practical. It might work if you've got eleven people sharing one square mile. <laughs> then everybody can coexist without any regulation. You know, so it's, it's kind of like the communist ideal uh, as an ideal. It sounds kind of cool, and you might be able to get it to work in, say, your local commune. Yeah, your local commune with ten people in it. <laughs> but uh, try it on a larger scale, and suddenly it starts to fall apart. Yeah, and let's see. Um, uh, Ron Paul was on Bill Maher's show not too long ago, and I got a little bit of clip for that that I can play before we jump into this interview. And what's interesting is Ron Paul is getting a tremendous amount of attention, and I think the whole libertarian movement is really jumping behind him because he's— he does have some really interesting ideas about, you know, we shouldn't be policing the world and we, we you know, there should be less regulation. Um, let's listen. And we don't, we don't disagree with a lot of the problems. In fact, most of the problems that libertarians have with government. It's right. the solution. Yeah. And it's the libertarians being naive in either thinking that a minimalist government is going to function properly and keep the people happy or that the people can do it without the government. Right, they're a lot very optimistic about about how people would function in the. Absence. They're just not thinking ahead. There's absolutely right. very little 
foresight involved, I think, in this agenda. I would agree. But when you see a situation where people are dying and we're spending a ton of money um, dicking around in some foreign country, we shouldn't be there. Obviously, it's very appealing to go, you know, if if the government didn't have a standing army, if we didn't have an army and we didn't have any of that, then none of that would have happened. You know? You may have a point there, but... Well... uh, Let's uh, let's listen to this. Uh, he represents Texas' 14th district in the U.S. House of Representatives. He wants to be the Republican nominee for president, the Honorable Ron Paul. Ron, how you doing? Republicans are just having so, orgasms. You are a throwback Republican because you are a true libertarian, right? That is that is true. I believe in limited government. I believe in individual liberty and. There were some Republicans at one time that actually believed that. I know, but, but see, I've always thought I was a libertarian, but I'm Chairman Mao compared to you, <laughs> uh, because you don't believe, for, you think we should get rid of the CIA. Well, uh, I think we could do without uh, the CIA murdering uh, leaders in different countries. I think there's room for intelligence gathering, but I don't like the secret activity of the CIA where they go about and getting rid of people like DM and others and installing governments. Uh, our CIA was but helpful. But we're under attack by crazy Muslim fanatics. Don't you think even if they're doing a bad job, it's better than no job at all? I would feel pretty naked without the CIA. You'd feel, you'd feel naked, but you'd be a lot safer because you'd be less likely to be attacked by terrorists. I mean, our CIA was in operation getting rid of an elected uh, leader of Iran in 1953, and they never forgot that. So that le- helped lead to the radicalization. But, but Congress, you are pretty far out there as far as the libertarian thing. I mean, I've read that you said that you don't think we should have fought the Civil War. Well, that's think, not an unusual I, I libertarian there position. Have been a better either. way. Have you studied the history? Every other major country hmm. of the world uh, was able to get rid of slavery without a civil war. So the Civil War wasn't fought over slavery. Civil War was fought over unifying and making a strong centralized state. Uh, you could have paid for uh, all the slaves and, and released them, and there were proposals like that. That's the way they Brit- the British did it. Every major country in the world got rid of slavery without a civil war except us. So it, it was not necessary. Of course, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think if, you, if there, were, there were reparations that had to be paid, people would get into a war over that. <laughs> And uh, there were tariffs involved and many other reasons why the Civil War was fought. But uh, if you read Lincoln carefully, you'll realize that Lincoln was not the greatest opponent to slavery. And uh, if, if you don't look at that, you're, you're denying a, a very important part of our history. All right. Not for the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> what what a platform. global warming? Are you, you, are you on the page that there is such a thing as global warming? Yeah, I think it's been around for a long time, and it's probably going to be here with us for a while longer. I, I don't think the, uh, the, the ozone has settled on that yet. I don't think everybody knows everything about uh, global warming. So in other words, no, he doesn't really believe scientists on both sides of that argument. No, you There's don't. still a debate. It's still yeah, a debate. Absolutely. In the meantime, I think corporations should be able to do whatever they want to. <laughs> The market will sort it the out. The market you know? will sort it out. They'll sell you some sunscreen. If North America catches on fire, the market will deal with it. <laughs> Don't. Well. No. On the other side, you only have Professor Irwin Corey and the Shell Answer Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, the reason I'm bringing this up is to say, even as someone who I consider myself somewhat of a libertarian, I think there are some jobs that are so enormous that only the government can do it. And I would put, at this point in our very tenuous history, 
global warming in that list, don't you think? And, and you know, I, I really hate it when Bill Maher calls himself a libertarian because he's associating himself with a group that really is high. I mean, I know he likes to smoke, too, but get away from that name, man. It's just a, it's a concept that's been taken over by corporate interests to snow job people into thinking that they don't have to pay any taxes and the government will get off their ass and everything is going to be better. Right. You know, in the meantime, where the, who, who's going to build the roads? Who's going to make sure the air is clean? Who's going to keep the nuclear power plant from opening up next to you? You know, Dude, they'll just pass a hat around for, you know, to build the next overpass. Yeah. And uh, and it'll get done. Well, uh, let's let's just move on to the main course. Let me fill you all in on what the what this situation is. Scott Horton. Uh, he's a, an outspoken guy. He calls himself an anarchist capitalist libertarian, which is probably what I would consider to be a fundamentalist in, uh, libertarian, somebody who really totally is into what libertarian is all about, which is a very, very minimalist, minimalist government. It, it sounded to me like pretty much no government. Yeah, well, uh, right. Uh, no taxes, just the most essential functions necessary to probably resolve some basic conflicts. He believes in uh, no standing army. He doesn't think the government should be doing any kind of regulation. Private mediation to solve any kind of uh, property right. damage dispute. And uh, he's one of the people behind antiwar.com, but he was he wanted to make it clear that antiwar that this this aspect of his views has nothing to do with antiwar.com. <laughs> but obviously that was smart of him. The antiwar sentiment is fueling this libertarian movement because every time we run into people that are fervently anti-war, if we let them babble a little bit longer, then they suddenly start talking about how they want to have Ron Paul's babies and how libertarianism is the greatest thing on the planet. And again, I just think, uh, you know, we're, we're with you that there's problems, you know, but, but you don't throw the baby, the bathwater, the bathroom, the, the floor, the building, out with the, with the whole, you know, the issue. So anyway, um, what happened to us, we finished up our interview, and then we just started talking. And then he, we really started to get into it, so I hit record again. And um, so I caught him right in the middle of kind of explaining his position. We'll just let it roll. And I don't really want to gang up on him because I think it's unfair since this is a pre-recorded interview between me and him. And you'll see I was really a total pussy. During the I'm glad you said that because yeah, <laughs> I was, but I, I you know, I, I called him up and I said, um, I just got this equipment. I just want to test it. And he was cool. So he's a good guy, even though he called me a stupid ass because I didn't agree with him. He thinks he is so totally um, enamored with this idea that he just doesn't understand how anybody can agree with him on some issues and not agree with him at all. And I think, again... It's because you're a stupid ass. No, it, <laughs> I'm not high. That's the problem. Well, so, fix it. <laughs> all right, well, I don't, you know... Then then you know what would happen? I'd be watching The Love Boat instead of making this podcast. <laughs> really. Okay. Ben and Jerry's. And uh, here we go, and uh, we'll just let it roll, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I like to believe that it's not an ideology, it's a lack of one, that... To me, ideologies are all excuses for controlling other people, and my problem is I don't have an ideology, and so instead I just want to be free. And now maybe that's really just a construct, and maybe it really is just an ideology, but it sure seems to me that on pretty much any topic that you could come up with, uh, I could explain to you why, no, it's government's fault in the first place, and if you only repeal things, 
and get back to liberty and the natural order, uh, you will have your solution. And he's he's being really honest, and I totally agree with him. He can convince himself that <laughs> the government is the problem behind everything. And that's another libertarian construct there, you know. But uh, whether or not getting rid of the government is going to solve anything, there's no actual evidence of that. That seems to be the the nucleus of the conflict that we have during this whole conversation. And I find myself uh, agreeing with him on everything and then turning around and apologizing because uh, I don't understand that he can't realize that what he's proposing is there's no evidence to indicate it would work. Right. So, you know. And I, I'm pretty sure, even if I can't necessarily convince you, I can at least make an argument convincing enough to myself on pretty much any <laughs> issue that liberty is the answer. So I'd be happy to have you give me a shot, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I just, I, I totally agree with you, but I think once society gets to a certain size, there has to be some kind of an institution to help control the masses. All right, we're 50 seconds into the into this little interview. And as far as I'm concerned, that's it, man. <laughs> That's uh, that's about the that's the main crux of what I think the points are, and uh, right. So good night, everybody. Yes, <laughs> glad we covered that. Yeah. Well, but again, I guess more discussion has to to oh, happen to, so to drive home that point. You know. Yeah, yeah. See, that's when I think that's when you need the least government of all, because then what are you doing? You're giving somebody, some small group of people, power over all those other people. And I do think that people, you know, human beings are pretty flawed in a lot of ways, and that's why we ought to not give them a government rather than why we need to have one. But, I mean, I mean, don't you think that the problem right now, one of the biggest problems in our society, is the fact that corporations have too much power? Yeah, but where did they get it from? They got all their power from the Congress, not from the market. But, uh, the, but uh, the Congress is also, the government is also the main entity that regulates them and controls them. So Right, that's what I'm saying. Who do you think came up with the regulatory state? A bunch of poor farmers? Right, it was, but, it but was if... The but, capitalists, the capitalists who paid off the socialists to go make a lot of noise in the streets so they could, quote-unquote, submit and acquiesce to the demand and accept a regulatory state, which they've written every regulation for ever since. Come but, on. But if there is no regulation, what is to stop the corporations from becoming even more powerful and influential than they already are? Market forces. How did they get as powerful and influential as they already are right now? They Market forces. What the hell does... I mean, What? You'll notice a number of buzzwords he uses. Market number one forces. is liberty. Liberty right. is like this. It's just, I guess when, when he says it, there should be angels coming down from oh. heaven. <laughs> liberty. All we want is liberty. Liberty's oh. good. I'm for it. <laughs> we could turn it into a drinking game. I mean, it is. It's one of those constructs that nobody's going to disagree with. Who doesn't want liberty? Li- liberty's good. I-, I like liberty. It's like free cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. And market forces. Oh, yeah. They control everything. Mar- trust me. If if you let the corporations do whatever they want, they will take this green, you know, the uh, global warming thing. They will just take it and run with it because it's in their best interest. Absolutely. to spend money to fix the environment. Mm-hmm. Got this way by using the power of the national government to steal money from people and give it to them. That's how they got so powerful in the first place. But uh, look at the situation with uh, media consolidation. Okay, perfect uh, example. Who know, owns the air? Uh, well, that would be, you know, I don't know. I the mean, national government does. Since 1911, the national government seized the air over America and said, we own this and we will divvy this up and you will all kiss our ass to get our license. 
to go on the air. So you think that if there was no more regulation, that, that, that media companies would be more fragmented instead of more consolidated? Of course. See, I, yeah, look, I don't look, know if I agree with that. Well, but see, here's the thing, though, is, is uh, and no offense to you, man, you know, you seem like a really nice no, guy. No, no, you could, but, you could be totally straight with me. I mean, yeah, if you well, think I'm, if was, think I'm uh, stupid on this issue, feel free to say it. No, no, uh, no, obviously you're not stupid. You've, all, you've thought about a lot of these things uh, in depth. But uh, the point is this. A socialist one time lied to you, and you bought it, and you've let it be the, the basic kind of premise of, of the rest of some of these arguments. Oh, no, no, I'm and not that, socialist. I'm not into that. I'm just, I, oh, I know, based on I my know. own experience. I know, no, 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 I didn't mean to call you a socialist. I'm just saying some socialists lied to you once and, and convinced you that a free market tends towards monopoly. And this is another thing that kind of bothered me in my in the conversation. There was a lot of ists going around, leftists, socialists, yeah, communists. Um, uh, no, I mean, it, it. That's that seems to be when you're really totally centered around these kinds of ideologies you can't look at somebody else's opinion as being just an opinion based on their own experience which is what i was trying to point out it's more like fall into a category oh well a socialist must have gotten their hooks into you you know (laughs) which i again i thought it was a little bit insulting but uh, you know well and you're you're such a socialist after all that's right we're gonna we're gonna go around uh, making sure everybody gets fed right after this (laughs) <laughs> rather than tends towards decentralization. And that's just not true. I mean, look at look at Chaos Radio. I'm on a pirate radio station here in Austin that's been on for a few years, and I'm not sure why they haven't, why they've left us alone. Let me knock on wood. Um, we've been pretty careful, but, uh, you know, by any decent common standard of property rights, if whether it was a private court or the local justice of the peace, Chaos Radio owns 92.7. That is our frequency in this town, and it is our property right to broadcast it. And if anybody else came in and broadcasted over Chaos's airways, we ought to be able to take them down to the local court or the local private arbitration company and say this is our property and they're trespassing on it. We were here first. We've been on it for years. Nobody claimed it. It's ours. And this guy is stepping on our property, and now we want justice. And we would win. <laughs> so, so basically, he's private arbitration will solve everything. Yeah, private courts. That's I love that private. Well, courts. he's starting from a premise in which basically the airwaves are to be homesteaded. Right, absolutely. You know, you, you stake a claim, you claim it as yours, it becomes your property. This frequency ain't big because you're for using the both it. Of us. You know, it's like you're a squatter. And if anybody disagrees with you, you take them to small claims court. <laughs> which last Wapner time I checked, will fix it. That'll Courts work. are part of the government. Right. Yeah, well, I, no, his whole thing is the private mediation of disputes. Right. Everybody's going to, uh, since since they can't agree that on who controls the airwaves, they certainly can agree on which arbitration group to use, I'm sure. Well, you just go with whoever has the largest ad in the yellow pages. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but what, no, what if, but what if. Under a basic regime of property rights, we would win. What Under if, FCC, though. We're screwed. What if the the broadcaster that was stepping on you was in the next state over, and they had a big antenna, and they had paid off everybody over there, so it wasn't even in the jurisdiction. I mean, there's just so many other situations that could happen where this regional form of regulation doesn't apply. I mean, if you've got got one state that wants to sell C4 in Walmart, and you've got another one that wants to ban all of uh, guns and things like that, because the community there says, we feel safer if, uh, if... high explosives are not readily available to the populace, 
you, it kind of defeats the purpose. You know what I mean? Same thing with pollution. If you have one region where the, the people love the big coal plant and, and all it does for the local community, and then you got somebody downstream that's dealing with all the pollution, how, how does this libertarian free market ideal address something like that? Well, it, it, it all comes down to basic property rights. I mean, where's the pollution being dumped, for example? It's all being dumped in the government-owned river. What does that have to do with the point I made? You know, it's, no. it all comes back to the government. Yeah. You know, the reason that they are allowed to pollute is because there is nobody with any property rights who's being violated who can hold them to account. And if they do try to hold them to account, your, your people downstream who are the victims of the people upstream who don't care, when those people do try to sue, what happens? They go into court, and the defense stands up and says, Your Honor, we have a happy face on our report card from the EPA and from the state regulators, too. They say we're perfectly fine. And the judge says, I'm sorry, your lawsuit is dismissed against these polluters because the executive already came out and said everything was hunky-dory. And again, basic property rights you know, concepts from 300 years ago would solve this simply. You dump poison in my water, I sue you for violating my property rights, and I get justice from the local magistrate or even... Unless in, the uh, local magistrate a, is on the payroll of the company that's dumping the stuff in there, in which case you don't get justice. Because I think we can all agree that what this country needs is more litigation. <laughs> arbitration, especially arbitrators, too, which, uh, you know, arguably... How do you enforce an arbitrator's ruling anyway? You know? Right. It's, it's, uh. That's the crux of it, really. I mean. Men with guns. The libertarians are big on talking about the government will, will enforce things using men with guns. But it all comes, the libertarians, you'd have to have men with guns enforcing things. Um, they would just be private security companies. And he gets into this a little bit later. We'll, we should yeah, right. And, well, know. that's that's actually an argument against uh, having a monopoly even on courts. Uh, what we really ought to have is a free market in, in arbitration and law without monopoly. I mean, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I think I think it's a it's a grand ideal. I just think that uh, there's some problems when you start to break it down as far as you know who uh, who regulates. Um, Drugs and who regulates the market does. But you see that I mean, uh, there's there's corporations now that have taken calculated risks that are re that are uh, releasing dangerous and toxic products into the public, and they've factored into the equation that they can pay off X number of people because the products are poison or dangerous, and still profit rather than just pulling them all because they're bad. You know, we used to have a situation in this country where drugs were, in fact, not regulated. And guess what happened? What happened? Uh, people took medicines and then dropped dead. <laughs> Laudanum. was Market forces. The hey, there you go. Well, it, he's got a point in that after people started dropping dead, they stopped buying that particular medicine. It's hard to buy stuff when you're dead, huh? Well, right, it's right. Rich. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> They kept selling it for quite a while, and people kept taking it because they had already bought the stuff, <laughs> and they didn't know it was somebody killing other people in other parts of the country. Hmm. They didn't know it was bad until they were already dead. Wow. Well, see, it's their fault then. Well, and they were sick, too, so not everybody realized, oh, it was the medicine that killed them. They thought that they were dying because they, they were, were sick. sick. Mm. They mm. needed to take more medicine. Um, yeah, if you, if, you, if you don't have somebody who, can, who, who will know who can test these things and find out on a scientific basis this medicine might make you better or this medicine is bad and will kill you, 
consumers are really not in a position to make that choice. But what kind of entity would test something that would cost them money for no money in return? What right. Would yeah. That be? Oh, it's a it's a government. government. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, but what kind of corporation would put out faulty products? What would be the motive to put out something that was dangerous? Money. <laughs> money. Yeah, there is the whole money thing. And to be fair, hmm. I'm thinking of a particular case in American history, the one that actually led to regulation of drugs, and the company didn't actually know that this drug was harmful because they didn't bother to test anything. There were no laws that you had to test anything. In fact, they went to court and said, Your Honor, we just, you know, we didn't know this was poison. We're sorry. Why do you hate liberty? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They just wanted to make some money. They thought it would, you know, sell well. Mm. Market forces. Market forces. Yeah, but see, here's the thing I don't understand. If I can just try to turn it around on you a little bit. How is it that a total and absolute respect for individual property rights translates to anybody can violate anybody's rights whenever they want. I don't understand how that, how you're getting to there in the first place. Nobody has the right to violate anybody else's rights. The only reason they get away with it now is because the executive is there to say it's okay. It's not like anybody ever violated anybody else's property rights in the absence of a government. Uh, That's never happened. We don't have any, like, you know... When we came to America, we totally respected the Indians' property rights, oh, didn't yeah. we? Definitely. We gave them blankets. Yeah. <laughs> See? Well, uh, you know, I, I think nobody sets out to intentionally violate somebody else's rights. I think that's one of those gray areas that suddenly, you, you know, you need some other authority to go, hey, I know you think you're not doing anything, and you do. We're going to settle this. But the question is... On what level does it get settled? In a, in a small town, in a region, nationally. And I think there's some situations where only uh, a larger scale uh, regulatory body can really uh, make things better and, and enforce certain things. I'm not for big government, you know, and I don't think anybody is. And I, I, I resent the implication that, um, you know, if you support one particular kind of form of regulation, that that means you're just for big, bloated government. I mean, most, all of us, all of the citizens basically want the same thing. We want to pay less taxes and we want decent services. And, uh, you know, we, we all use utilities that are subsidized by the government. I mean, we're communicating over the Internet and using technology that uh, was subsidized by the government. It's arguable if, you know, in the big scheme of things, the, the DARPA project, which led to the development of the Internet, would probably be considered a pork barrel project. It would not, it would, it's certainly not essential. It was never essential. But we're benefiting from it. And the, in the libertarian view of things, uh, that the government wouldn't be involved in that. And instead, if in that scenario, I doubt if we there ever would be an Internet. And if there was, it would be something like the current phone system now, where it's uh, everything is a la carte. You pay by the minute. You want an email, that's two cents for the first email and one cent for each additional email. I mean, uh, I think there's, there's a good argument for, for a but certain... But how come regulation hasn't stopped the phone from being like that? I mean, it's capitalism's fault when a company does something bad, but it's regulation's credit when something good happens. Well, the stuff did happen like that with the phone. I mean, when the, when, the, when the phone company and the phone industry was privatized is when we, we started to see certain things. And you notice now, uh, with deregulation 
of the telecom industry. Initially, there was a whole bunch of uh, different phone companies, and now they're all consolidating again. So, well, partial, partial deregulation. And we've also seen services improve at an unimaginable rate. And when, in the days when it was the government monopoly AT&T service, the service sucked. They charge you extra money for even... I don't know about you, but I can imagine things improving better. So I don't. I wouldn't know if I would say unimaginable. Even <laughs> plugging in an extra phone in your house. Service has improved to a roof. point, and then it has stagnated. You compare our technology system with uh, places like North yeah, Korea. But why with is Korea. it? Why is it? Why is it that laissez-faire capitalism gets the blame for the stagnation rather than the regulatory state? I'm not saying it's either one 100 percent at fault, but I just think that you can't say it's the regulatory state or it's just free market capitalism. Well, I think there's I mean, something in the, thing. in the middle. You could, have, you could have a million examples where government intervene in the market in a way that I thought, well, good, that's the way the market ought to go, you know, according to my mind or whatever, too. But that, is, that can't always just serve as, as the retroactive justification for the intervention in the first place. I mean, if it wasn't the government keeping all the different phone companies from rising up and developing in competition with each other in the first place way back in the day, then who knows what situation we'd have. We might have a better and faster Internet and had it a lot sooner. It could all fly. Well, I, I, I think if you look the at the current telecom industry, down. what you see is a stagnation of technology. Uh, over over in, the, in the East, they have phones that are more advanced that can do more things than the phones we have here. Because the, the telcos have figured out that if they can limit the features and the technology and dole them out little by little, they can make more money than, than opening up the market and, and allowing uh, more freedom to move from one company to another or transfer your things here and there. Right, but that's only true not because every company figured, out, figured that out at the same time or something. It's because uh, the, the, uh, the uh, market for telephone products is still limited by regulation, and it's not profitable for someone to come in and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and put every single gadget in one before you guys and make his money that way. It's still a very regulated market. Yeah, it's a regulated market just like, say, gas prices are regulated. But as you've already alluded to, as you've already alluded to, even though it is regulated and they're not supposed to be uh, working together, they are. So if there's even less regulations, what's to stop them from, from even more overtly just because, jacking because all the prices up? Because the problems are coming not from uh, – or the problems are coming from their access to state power. That's where you get the problems in the first place. If you, if you take away the power of a lobbyist to go to Congress and say, here's a suitcase full of money, here's what I need you to do for me, then they have to either please us or fail. I mean, look at what happened. Well, now, now, just, now you bring up an interesting angle there. So is that part of the libertarian agenda is to completely extricate uh, financial interest from the election process? You know, take money out of the equation and anybody that wants to run can yeah, run. And this is not a question of um, – because well, right not, now you have to have a lot of money to yeah, be able to uh, not if that run. Means, not if that means government steals from people and makes them pay for commercials for candidates they oppose. No, I'm not for that. See, again, this is, the, this is why the whole libertarian idea is just the epitome of selfishness, you know? It's, I'm, not, I'm not for uh, taking commercial interests out of the influence of government if it means that uh, government has to subsidize anything, which means I have to pay for it one way or another. And it's just kind of ridiculous, I think. Clearly.
Um, I think that, you know, basically people ought to be able to free. I'm looking right now at the one candidate I support, and I know that there's a lot of people, I'm not really one of them, but there are a lot of people who could afford to give him more than $2,300 and are forbidden by the state from donating more than 2300 measly dollars yeah, but you know they can get around that, though. Candidate, whereas the corporate guys can hold a fundraiser and get people who all have, you know, $100,000-plus salaries to all chip in the maximum all at the same time and bring in a big bundle for the war party. And, and so, you know, you look at, at campaign finance as a perfect example of a bunch of uh, highfalutin promises that end up just being the incumbent, it ended up being just the Incumbency Protection Act. And now it's harder than ever for someone who's a grassroots candidate to have the people who really support him go ahead and donate as much as they can or want so to you, help them so, win. So you, you don't think that there should be any caps or any regulations on who should be able to donate to any political candidate? No, as long as we all know. Okay, so, uh, which, you, know, I'm so not, you can I'm give really as much money to whatever candidate anyway, you want. <laughs> then how do you, how do you eliminate corporate influence in government if you, if you remove even the restrictions that, you know, that are on candidates right now? Well, this is what I'm saying. It's not the bribing that's the problem. It's the power, the unlimited authority that the Congress possesses to be bribed. And as long as a congressman can pass a law that makes anyone's idea the law of the land with the force of the state behind it, guess what? They're going to be bribed. The, the way to solve that problem is to restrict the power of the state. You know, the lobbyists don't bother Ron Paul. And why? Because he will tell them to their face, I'm sorry, that's unconstitutional in my eyes, and I couldn't do what you want to bribe me to do for you anyway. So basically what he's saying is that if you take away all the power that the government has, they won't be worth bribing anymore because they will have no power. Mm-hmm. So I guess then the power reverts to who? The private arbitration companies? Presumably. Which, you know, are in business to make money because they're, they're private companies. Um, and they wouldn't be subject to bribery? Well, I, I point out later in the interview that, uh, okay, we, we neuter the government and make it not, not powerless. Well, what's to say that the corporations won't start assuming the same responsibilities and roles that the government has? I mean, there's plenty of evidence Market of forces. that. You know? take, take a look at um, our early industrial history when uh, a company would roll into town and uh, start up a business, and uh, the people who worked there would get paid in company script and live in company-sponsored housing and Liberty. shop at the company store because there, there really was no other option. Once, once you're getting paid in all company money that's only good at the company store, right. you pretty much are going to be working there till you drop dead. <laughs> um, Basking in liberty. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you're free sorry, and they turn around and leave, and now they don't even bother him anymore because he's got nothing to sell them because he does not believe that he has that unlimited authority for sale. The other rest of the 535 do. Well, okay, but, uh, you know, conventional wisdom says that he's probably not electable, not because he (laughs) he doesn't have, uh, there's not a lot of people that don't like him, but because the media is not giving him a fair shake, and that's all the corporations. That's not the government. The government's not saying that is the uh, government. No, that's no, no. The government is not saying that Ron, you know, that that Ron Paul uh, can't appear on David Letterman's show or something like that. Yeah, but well, I'll tell you this: uh, uh, Bill Moyers on government TV did a special called "Buying the War," where he interviewed Dan Rather, and Dan Rather said, "You know, you don't have to get a memo 
to remind you that these are giant corporations we're talking about, and they have tremendous, he said, oh, right, tremendous right. regulatory and legislative needs in Washington, D.C., and we don't need to be reminded that. We know that. And they, that was him saying that they are never will go ahead and outright cross the state because they have too much at risk. Because why? Because the state has unlimited authority well, over the state their has business. influence. So what happens if you take out the influence? Then uh, they don't need to go to the state anymore. But then the state has been effectively neutered, right? So how do they? How do you stop these corporations? Because we both agree, corporations wield too much influence. Now, you're upset that they wield it through the government, and I claim that if you – government or no government, they're still going to wield this influence. If you say, if you say that uh, the government is smaller, then market forces will, will curtail them. That's where I, I don't see logically how that could happen. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Two weeks ago, the central banks of the world, including our own, created $500 billion out of nothing out of thin air in order to bail out some rich bankers on Wall Street in New York. Now, if I have my way, they fail. They, you know, probably most of them end up jumping out windows like back in 1929. How could they have made such terrible investments? But instead, what do we get? All the homeowners who took those bad loans, they still lose their houses. But the bankers who made the bad loans all get the bailout. And that, my friend, is the name of the game. And I agree with you. That, That totally sucks. But but uh, how do you solve it? How you solve it is you take away the power of the government to create money out of nothing. Okay. So so he wants things to happen like they did in 1929 because that worked out so well for everybody. And and it was a perfect. He gave you a perfect example, but it didn't wasn't a perfect example of how you would stop corporations from from uh, conglomerating and and forming this huge quasi governmental. Um, money-making monster. I mean, he's very good at pointing out what's wrong. Oh, certainly. And the truth of the matter is, right. is that none of us disagree with that. Bailing out those banks oh, was, was in many was atrocious, ways a, uh, a heinous act. Right. Problem. But, uh, and, you know, but I'd like to know more about what, you know, the government, if it, if it actually is creating money out of nothing. I mean, that's obviously a bad situation. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you know. They, um, but they uh, getting rid of the go- <laughs> but get rid of the government, what do you do? You get rid of the money situ- situ- situation? Are we trading shells and beads and gold nuggets again? I mean... Silver. Silver bullion. Ah, okay. And steal the value of our dollars right out of our pockets to bail out their friends. So then the corporations create money. Well, they can only create... See, that's the thing. Corporations can't just use force to dictate interest rates. Why not? I mean, if the government if the government's not there and the government doesn't wield much power over them and influence over them, then what's to stop corporations from just doing the same thing that they had the governments do for them? Uh, Because of competition, right now it is market forces, and then the corporations have a little meeting and they get their little consortium together and they they say we're not going to follow the government. You're missing a big step, man. Violence, violence. These bankers do not have giant private armies to. Send us, uh, you know, out to eat out our substance and take all our money from us. They don't have private armies now, now. but they. Yeah. But if we got rid of our army, they sure as shit would, man. They'd hire every one of the army officers coming out of the I mean, now disbanded army. Isn't that what the Pinkertons were? Yeah. Oh, hell's yeah. You know, they were, they were the enforcement arm of whoever had money, yeah. which is corporations in this instance. So again, you know, he's high. Spe- so you're saying that if uh, if the gu- if the government 
if, uh, if the corporations disobey the government, the government will put sick the army on them? Well, ultimately, yes. Yes, if the government sets an interest rate at a certain price and a bank violates what the Federal Reserve says the interest rate Then you send in the is, National Guard, huh? Then, then ultimately, yeah. If the bankers continue to resist and continue to defy the authority of the state, ultimately, yes. It will be, the matter will be resolved by the state in the state's favor. Yes, absolutely. But again, he doesn't want a, he doesn't want a standing army, though. You know, there's lots of weird kind of inconsistencies in this this idea, I think. And that concludes part one of our interview with an anarcho-capitalist, fundamentalist, libertarian. Uh, we certainly encourage you to comment on this, and you can go to podcasts.bsalert.com. You will see a link there to the story where you can comment. You can do whatever you want. We'd certainly like to get a dialogue going. Tell us what you think was wrong about what we said or comment about Scott. And maybe we could even get Scott to show up and uh, argue with us online. Uh, again, that's podcast.bsalert.com or go to bsalert.com and you could probably do a search on Libertarian or Scott Horton. But we will have a link under podcast.bsalert.com. Now, stay tuned for part two, which is coming up next. And um, you can go to podcast.bsalert.com and download it if it's not available immediately in iTunes. But it should be right there.